Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. And I had promised you the last two shows that I was going to draw some parallels between witnessing uh, as far as the gospel is concerned and how we should speak to one another when we are trying to persuade people perhaps over to our way of looking at uh, the issues of the day, cultural issues, talking politics. And in this culture where there is just a lot of anger, angst, craziness, uh, canceling of one's thoughts, intimidation, et cetera, et cetera, it's very difficult to do this. And I would never elevate talking to let's just say if you're a Republican to a Democrat about the issues of the day, I would never ever elevate that to a level of import that is um, equal to witnessing to someone, uh, someone's eternal salvation, eternal resting place is obviously, at least in my opinion, as a born again, Christian uh, much um, greater of import. And the Lord charges us to do that. But, Indeed, there are some similarities in how we speak to one another um, when we're talking about far less lofty concepts, uh, you know, taxation and uh, election integrity, et cetera, et cetera. And when we do this, what is our end game? Is our end game to just puke out a bunch of information, to be right rather than wrong, to put some in the someone in their place to slap them around, to embarrass them, uh, get all this anger and emotion and vitriol and craziness out of our bodies, or is it to attract rather than repel? Is it to persuade gently over the course of time? And as I said on the show last week, I was a little exercised after watching Joe Biden's video and then commenting on it probably violating many of the things I'm going to speak to you about today. However, just illustrating the fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, I am human and uh, the Lord forgives me and he urges me to go on and kind of fight this good cultural fight. So uh, before any further ado, uh, we will read some scripture, which is always a good thing. And also what we'll do is before we dive into some of the issues of the day, the stories that are out there, I will try to compare and contrast uh, how you would go about witnessing to someone that is lost and you would like to further the ball down the field as far as that is concerned and how that is quite similar in many respects to talking to your neighbor, your coworker, your kid's college or excuse me, soccer coach or whatever about taxation or voter integrity or um, lockdowns and, and things that are, are pretty emotionally charged. Okay. So let us start with Psalm 32, eight. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. It's a good verse to kind of drink in um, speaking to born again believers right now. Oftentimes, we may have something in our heart that we want to share with someone, but we just don't know how to do it. And we have to find an access point. We have to call on the Holy Spirit to tell us what to do. And um, 
I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. This is God himself saying that this is what I will do. If your objectives are true and altruistic and at least what you feel is right versus wrong, and you are indeed a born-again Christian, faith-based voter, if you will, calling on the Lord before each and every encounter you have with people when you're trying to persuade them is paramount. It is um, it is priority one. Let's go on to John 13, 34, and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, uh, the problem, let's uh, dance, please permit me, dancing back and forth for witnessing and furthering the kingdom of God and perhaps furthering conservatism, if that's what you want to call it, or the right side of the issues of the day. What is our end game? We are there to attract rather than to repel. And there is no quicker way, ladies and gentlemen, to repel than to put forth a vibe, if you will, <clears throat> of uh, that you do not love the person that you're speaking to. If, if you are desirous that that person knows Christ, or at the least desirous that that person votes in a certain way or pays attention to the issues of the day that affect our wallets, our families, our culture, our lives, our community. When speaking to that person, that person, regardless of intellect and regardless of you know their understanding of whatever concept you're trying to explain to them, from small child to 90-year-old person, people get it when you're talking at them rather than with them. They get it if you don't love them and you are lecturing them, belittling them, insulting them. And I have been in sales my whole life, but most people have not. And um, it never ceases to amaze me the sledgehammer one size fits all approach that many people use to most things when they're trying to convey their points of view or persuade people. And, um, you know, I will see the point that when you're witnessing to people, probably about 3% of the time, the gold plated Bible upside the head and the fire and brimstone approach does indeed work. Um, because there are individuals that are almost impervious to every other, um, you know, mode of persuasion. So I will see that that does work, but about 97% of the time it does not. And the same goes for, uh, politics. When, when you look at the discourse between the left and the right, nobody's persuading anybody about anything, or, or I should say very few people are doing that. We have, um, hunkered down, surrounded ourselves with the people that we agree with, uh, relegated ourselves to the venues or, or uh, forms of media that we like, Fox News, Newsmax, Huffington Post, uh, CNN, uh, Christian left, Christian right, whatever. And we're quite comfortable in doing that. 
And there's a problem with that. And the problem is that when we are indeed charged by, I would dare say our Lord to persuade someone over to, um, what he would find to be, um, the right side of an issue, abortion, just off the top of my head. When we're posed with those situations, I think most of us are, are woefully inept and ill-prepared to articulate our point of view or persuade that individual over to our side or our way of thinking. And, and one of, and at the cornerstone of that is a lack of concern, a lack of love for the individual, a lack of respect, um, which is, you know, born out of how, how in the world can you have that worldview, you idiot, da, 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 da. That's not going to persuade anybody before the conversation even starts. We all have some form of ADD and the attention span of a gnat these days. And we are all busy and we kind of size one another up very quickly. Oh, he's one of them. He has one of those hats on. He goes to a church that has a rainbow in front of it. And when we do that, it is, I guess, helpful to know the lay of the land. But when we speak to individuals of differing thought, um, I think we lose sight of what the Lord would like us to do, which is to love and persuade gently, forthrightly, not compromising our principles, but certainly not insulting people. And I don't think we do a very good job of that. And um, this verse does illustrate that. You know, how many people do we know that have um, basically uh, thrown Christianity in the garbage can because their view of Christianity has been formulated by Christians that are acting in a way that is not Christ-like. So there is no quicker way to get someone's focus off Jesus Christ and his principles um, than to focus on a presumed ambassador for Christ that is absolutely terrible at being an ambassador for Christ. And the evil one knows that. And to a far lesser extent, it, it is the same in the realm of conservatism, or if you're a Republican, if that is your animal, um, you can have a great message, but all it takes is um, some idiot storming the Capitol and putting his feet up on some legislator's desk and acting like a moron. And then the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that were just exercising their right to to be um, concerned about the election integrity in this country have all been tarnished because of one or a few individuals. So I, I think you guys see where I'm going with this. We have to be very mindful in every interaction that we have. What would Jesus do? WWJD, how would I approach, how do I approach each and every encounter with everybody I meet as an ambassador of Christ, or to, again, a far lesser extent, an ambassador of uh, conservatism, if you will. So let us go on to Colossians um, 3, 12, and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dear lo dearly loved, clothe yourself 
with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Again, guys, this is setting the table to uh, simmer down the temperature in the room when you're speaking with someone. Uh, I mean, a lot of this show that I'm doing is born out of a real bad experience I had last night speaking to someone who, for the most part, agrees with me. But I can tell you, in the areas that we did not disagree, I pretty much violated uh, most of Colossians 3, 12, and 13. I probably started out very well-intentioned, but quickly, over the course of time, my patience was terrible. My gentleness was really bad, as I probably insulted this gentleman, um, didn't act too humble, and my compassion and my kindness was probably not on display um, to this individual or anybody else that was at the gathering that heard this rather spirited exchange between me and this particular individual. So again, I am, I am like the apostle Paul in this respect. Anyway, uh, he called himself, um, the chief sinner, the greatest of all sinners. Uh, and people just shake their head at that. Like you, you wrote two thirds of the new Testament, Paul. Well, um, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And as much as I try to have a calm demeanor, I try to love the person that I am uh, speaking to. I try to love the people in Washington, D.C. that um, I could have contempt for every day of the week, but I miss it. And we get exercised and we get excited and we get in very heated uh, arguments and then we kind of blur the lines between righteous indignation. Hey, Christ uh, upset the, the tables of the money changers. I'm just acting Christ-like. Yeah, you, you should be righteously indignant about almost everything that's coming out of Washington today with this administration and um, many of the folks in Washington. However, we cannot operate in a manner that is righteously indignant all the time because we just look like a bunch of angry zealots and nobody's listening to us. And we are so ripe to be labeled, put in in a box and dispatched by a, a media that is very willing to, to twist what we say, put us in a category that we don't belong in. And, um, just be dispatched as some crazy lunatic. Now, many of the crazy lunatics, and I use that term affectionately, will say, well, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just sit on our hands and throw flowers at people and quote scripture? That That's pretty, um, that's pretty lame. Well, you know, if it was good enough for Jesus, I, I think that it's good enough for us as well. So let us continue in Colossians, this has always been one of my favorites, and it's a very indicting verse, Colossians 3, 8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Hello. So, um, before we were born again, we probably engaged 
in a lot of these things. And the Lord charges us that now that we are born again, we have to put off these things. We have to make a conscious effort to recognize who we are in Christ and we are ambassadors of Christ and we can't do these things. Uh, again, we can be righteously indignant, but that's not what the verse is talking about. When it says put off all these things as in anger, that just simply means don't be angry all of the time. And rage is probably never permitted simply because rage is, is a is a ratcheted up, notched up version of anger where you are so blind to what's going on, you can't possibly be effective in whatever you're trying to do as far as persuading someone or acting in a Christ-like manner. Malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, all of these things are very tempting to do. If you are angry with somebody, if you do not like the way this country is going, if you do not like what you perceive as just a political uh, craziness in your state capital or in Washington, D.C., if the things probably before early November right through till today have just got you amped up, charged up, freaked out, it is very difficult at the same time to obey these um, these scriptures, these edicts, if you will, from God, not to be angry, not to rage, not to be malicious or slander, uh, treat people with gentleness, patience. It is, it is absolutely counterintuitive. And at the end of the day, it is the ultimate way that Christ gets the glory because to see everything, let's just say I'm a conservative and we're speaking to conservatives right now, faith-based voters, if you will, to see everything you have seen in the last five months, or let's just say the last you know year with this pandemic craziness, and to comport yourself according to these verses in Colossians cannot be done without God. It just is an impossibility. I don't care if you're the nicest person in the world, non-confrontational, but you have beliefs and you just want to throw flowers at people and be nice and, and you know, whatever. You're only going to be able to take that so far. In, in order to forthrightly articulate the issues of the day as seen by God or as, as checked by the Holy Bible. Um, in this cesspool of a world that we live in, where many of the people, if not all of the people, no, I'll say many of the people, most of the people that are perpetrating these egregious election frauds and these disingenuous, um, edicts from on high that are named nice, sweet, syrupy names to fool people. Um, if you are dealing with these people or seeing these people and, and watching the their, their willing accomplices in the media attempt to pull the wool over your eyes, it is very difficult to not compromise your principles and forthrightly not bend when right is right and wrong is wrong, but at the same exact time, go up down a parallel road of loving someone 
treating them with kindness and patience and respecting that person. You simply cannot do that without the urging of the Holy Spirit to say this, don't say that, I think you should do this, I think you should stop here. If, if we are sensitive to God up above, and more specifically, the Holy Spirit in our being, then it, it's easier to do that. Is it going to be pulled off? Are we going to pull it off, I should say, all the time? No. Last night, I failed miserably. And uh, I felt really bad about it. You know, some of you, actually, when you debate people, it, it's stimulating. You you get off on it. You enjoy it. I, I never have, regardless of how much talk radio I was doing, how much TV, how much time I was spending watching and listening to all that stuff, or how little I was. I never got into the confrontation, the debate, and some people love it. They enjoy it immensely. I'm just not one of those animals. And if you are one of those animals, you know, be really careful because you're not only discussing these things with, you know, one or two people at a cocktail party, as, as was evidenced last night in, in the venue I was at, there's a lot of people watching you. And if you are acting like a lunatic, I'm telling you, just about everything you're saying is going to be flushed down the toilet because it's not what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. It's how you're making people feel around you. Um, many of you, just because you and I may look at the issues of the day and understand them, and we have a proclivity to to be news junkies, if you will, that doesn't mean the vast majority of people operate like us. I, I, I witnessed someone last night uh, that I met at this party that was a registered licensed dietitian. She was a very smart person and she was not only smart in the area of her uh, area of expertise in nutrition, but she was very smart in understanding the room. And I don't think you and I understand how important that is reading people, reading situations marshalling everything we have in us to not lose sight of what God's will is in their that person's life as far as they're becoming saved or at the least becoming somewhat uh, apparent or engaged in what is happening in this country these days. And I, I kind of, um, I took a lesson from her as as I failed pretty miserably when I was having a, a little bit of a heated discussion with someone. Um, and I watched her and she read the room and the room was full of old and young, but primarily young. And they were asking her all these questions about diet and exercise and wellness. And, and it is, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, a multi-billion dollar energy, or excuse me, um, um, uh, proposition out there, it, industry, I should say. And it is replete with all sorts of charlatans and uninformed people that are very willing to separate you from your money and forward fads and potions and diets and drinks and all sorts of things that prey on your um, desire to lose weight or be healthy. And 
So she was one of the credible ones out there. And I watched her and she was getting questions from individuals about diet, exercise, health, what's a bad food, what's a good food, all these things. And there was a part of me as like, how, how are you doing this? That is the stupidest question I've ever heard. How are you not just slapping this person in the head and saying, did you not get the memo that we should throw salads in every once in a while? Um, did you not understand this or that? But she didn't do that. She met them where they were. Did, did she talk about uh, gluconeogenesis or the Krebs cycle or electron transport chains and energy metabolism? No, because that's a thousand feet over their heads. She just broke it down into very simple terms. Uh, they didn't even understand what uh, processed meat was. And she had to say, that's lunch meat. That's the stuff that you get in the freezer section at um, the supermarket that uh, has nitrates in it. And it's this and it's that. And, oh, I thought that was healthy. No, it's not. She met these individuals with love, concern, patience. She read the room. She fully kept in mind where she wanted to take these individuals, which was to educate them how to eat in a healthy manner going forward, particularly if they were never going to talk to her again, and how to recognize some of the fads out there and things that they should avoid. And she did it masterfully. And I, I watched her and what she did by meeting them where they were, where they're comfort level was where their level of education of that subject matter happened to be. And she just built on that. She didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, she didn't talk down to them. She didn't say, why you idiot? Can't you understand this or that? Like we do oftentimes when we talk about, uh, you like your taxes going up, you idiot. We, we, you know, who are we going to persuade when we have a discussion like that, either right out of the shoot or eventually at some point in time, because we've lost control of our emotions, if somebody continues to make no sense about lower taxes or uh, uh, a man and a woman is the definition of uh, uh, marriage, uh, the union of a man and a woman, or, or whatever you want to talk about that that happens, abortion, when when is life life? At some point in time, you're probably going to be greeted with something that absolutely makes no sense. It makes your head spin like a poltergeist. And what are you going to do at that point in time? Are you going to insult? Are you going to slap somebody in the head? Are you going to meet them where they are? Try to understand. Why does this person think that way? Rome was not built in a day. You're not going to convert someone over to Christianity if they're um, of one religion or another in one encounter. You're not going to, as this lady knew last night, educate these people on lofty nutritional concepts in a 15-minute discussion at a party. You're not going to, at a party, talk about the pandemic and the lockdowns and how blue states handle the pandemic and how red states do. If you just met someone and you know nothing about them, this is a process, ladies and gentlemen. And if we don't look at it as a process, then we're in trouble.
So, you know, we have to dance in and out of acquainting ourselves with the issues of the day, being fully prepared to discuss, you know, uh, HR one, if you will, or should Mario Cuomo, excuse me, I keep saying that I'm from New York and he was at the helm when I was living in New York, his son, Andrew Cuomo, should he resign? Uh, the nursing home debacle. Let's discuss that. You have to be fully aware of these things, but at the same time, you have to be fully cognizant of when you're out and about talking with your kid's coach, that uh, the soccer coach, or you know, watching a game and talking to a parent about something, or going to a backyard barbecue and meeting some people you've never met before. You have to be fully prepared that all that incredible wealth of knowledge that you have may not be used at all. And the person that you may be encountering who has heretofore been very ripe to be swayed or misled by CNN or a church that has a false gospel or whatever, you have to meet them where they are. You cannot overwhelm them by saying, what the heck is wrong with you? You go to that church? You listen to CNN? What are you, crazy? I'm telling you, and this is common sense, but it bears repeating several times. If you do that, you will repel. You will not attract. They won't hear a thing you have to say about how wonderful Fox News is and how terrible CNN is, how wonderful your favorite politician is, and how terrible Andrew Cuomo or Chucky Schumer is or are, they won't hear a second of it. They will just leave the conversation with, that guy's a lunatic, that lady's way too intense for me, I felt stupid when I tried to open my mouth and have a discussion with that person. So, Does that person leave any closer to being, uh, if, if you're, you know, if you're a Republican, uh, or a conservative or, you know, uh, where the stakes are really high, a Christian, are they any closer to that end point that you tried to, uh, that, that we all should be trying to achieve or indeed, are they farther away? And the answer is, oftentimes is the latter. And sometimes we get it wrong. I got it wrong last night to the point where I I pulled this guy aside and I apologized to him. Nobody apologizes about anything anymore. Everybody's got their opinion. They're right. You're wrong. Next issue. That's why nobody is um, talking with one another. They're talking at one another. And uh, if they are making some headway, then the cancel culture and big tech will make sure that that gets addressed. So we have our work cut out for us. But last night I apologized to this guy. I didn't apologize for the content of what I was trying to convey to this guy. I never said, you know, you were right. I was wrong on that issue. I never said that because I wasn't wrong for the most part. But I did apologize wholeheartedly. And I said, you know, you're a young man that deserves respect. And I did not respect you in there. And I'm sorry. 
and I'm just an old fool and I'm very frustrated with a lot of things out there and it came across in a very bad way and I'm sorry. So I looked at the guy and I said that we got to do that a lot because none of us are going to get it right all the time, Uh, particularly you know, I, I hate this word, but for the purposes of our generic audience out there, I will use it, particularly in the area of religion. Uh, that is something that is very private and very sacred to a lot of people, even if they have no religion. That area of their heart or their mind or their soul is something that we just don't discuss. Back in the day, before the 24-7 news cycle, and all the things we're exposed to now, your parents had a very simple word of warning for you if you wanted to get anywhere in life as far as just moving up the corporate ladder or navigating this thing called life. They told you very clearly, I don't think they do it anymore, but they told you this when I was growing up, do not discuss religion and politics in public. Just do not do it. Now, I would say that that is an oversimplification. I think the the um, the better um, advice that you should give to your children is when you do discuss religion and politics, do it the right way. Understand the person that you're speaking with. Understand the venue. You don't have to do that. God never said to do that 24-7. There are people, I will call them religious zealots, that feel very compelled to put all sorts of stuff saying how much they love Jesus Christ on their desk at at, uh, work, which they have the right to do. When they're in the break room, they're witnessing in a very forceful way. And they go out to their car and they have Jesus loves you bumper stickers. And in their mind, they think they're doing a really good job of witnessing and representing Jesus 24 seven. But you know, what is the end game? How many people are they attracting by cornering them, offending them at work, uh, browbeating them? Uh, making them feel um, dumb for the God that they worship, insulting them either knowingly or unknowingly. At the end of the day, when their knee bows before Jesus, they may have quite the rude awakening. They may thought that they have um, done the Lord's work, but in reality, they, they probably tried the best they could. But a lot of people run from that stuff. We, we all have been there. I, I wasn't saved when I was four years old. Before I was saved, when people came up to me with a gold-plated Bible in their hand and a, let's talk about Jesus, I would say, I don't think so, buddy. And generally, a lot of people are like that. And in this politically correct world we live in today, even if people did want to talk about the issues of the day, lockdowns, overtaxation, voter fraud, all sorts of issue, abortion, um, same-sex marriage, whatever the issue is that's pretty charged up, um, they would be very hesitant to do it 
because you could lose your job, you could lose your friends, you could jeopardize your children's future. Uh, a whole host of things could happen um, because of this cancel culture. But do not mix and match and um, blur cancel culture with acting appropriately. And and I, I do meet a lot of people that feel, as I said before, that, you know, going back to the person that has all this stuff on their desk and they witness in the break room and they have their, I love Jesus bumper stickers. A lot of people, when they talk about politics or talk about religion, they really do feel in their heart of hearts, they're doing what they should be doing. And when uh, an employer wants to put some degree of a clampdown on that within his right uh, under the law or somebody at the soccer field say, I'm, I'm not up for a Jesus discussion today, or I'm really not into um, masks and no mask and uh, COVID-19 misreporting. I'm just not, I'm, I'm here to watch a soccer game. Okay. When you leave that discussion dispirited don't blame it on cancel culture don't blame it on big tech thwarting what you uh, are trying to achieve here don't be a martyr just be intelligent not everybody likes to talk about this stuff okay and with a lot of people you can't talk about it at all for quite a period of time and you just have to conduct yourself in a manner that is consistent with how Christ would like you to conduct yourself. You'd have to vote in a manner that is pleasing to God. And people will take notice of that before you even open your mouth. And then you will have the opportunity to open your mouth. People will say stuff like, I notice that you go to that church. I noticed there was a sign in your yard. It wasn't for president. It was some person I don't even know, but that person happened to be a really nice guy. I know he was a coach and, and, and the, uh, the kids loved him and the school loved him. And now he's running for school board or something and you're promoting him. That's interesting to me. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. And there is your entry point. I have often been of the mindset, I know we're dancing back and forth uh, between witnessing uh, and leading people to Christ and persuading people to pay attention to the issues of the day and see where the Holy Scriptures, uh, what they have to say about it. I know we're dancing back and forth here, but back to witnessing, I have always been of the mindset that everywhere you go, and everyone you speak to is a witnessing opportunity. Now, does that mean when you're at the um, coffee line at the Wawa and you're throwing your sugar and vanilla whatever in and somebody's stirring whatever they are, that you are supposed to do a throwdown and hit them with a Bible and say, you're, you're going to be led to Jesus today, or repent, sinner? No, but... Everybody has a point. There's something that you can do. You can drop a seed 
in that little exchange of 30 seconds getting your coffee at Wawa that furthers the kingdom of God. And, and, and when you die, you'll find out that you were one of 732 people that God used to bring that person uh, to a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's the same with uh, conservatism. Uh, do, you know, is it all that helpful to go to a venue or a party where you know it is going to be populated with a certain type of people. Maybe they're of a certain type of a vocation. Maybe they come from a certain area. I don't know. But when you get the lay of the land and you know pretty certainly that the individuals at this party may not be the biggest Ronald Reagan fans in the world, what do you do? Do you try to assess the situation and further the ball down the road in this instance about what we're talking about here, conservatism, or do you go in there with a MAGA hat on and do you go in there with your gun, uh, like a shoulder holster that um, proudly and prominently displays your firearm on the outside of your shirt? Do you do that? No, you don't. You're not going to further any discussions about um, gun ownership, the Second Amendment, how communities are safer when guns are readily available to law-abiding citizens. Uh, You're not going to do any of that with a MAGA hat on and a shoulder holster with a big gun prominently displayed when you're at a wine and cheese party with folks that you know darn well are not of that political persuasion. So it begs the question, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? Do we have enough confrontation? Do we have enough friction? Do we have enough, yeah, it's us versus them, the good guys versus the bad guys, the Christians versus the whatever. Do we have enough of that? Yeah, we do. So if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you believe in the Second Amendment, if you believe in uh, lower taxes, if you believe in the sanctity of life, wouldn't you want to export that um, belief system or persuade somebody over to that way of thinking? If you think that way of thinking is correct, whatever it happens to be. Yes, that would only be smart. That would only be intelligent. And to antagonize individuals just for whatever sake, I don't even know, is really stupid. And we have a ton of that going on right now. Now, does this mean that we have to adopt this soft, compassionate conservatism that reaches across the aisle and we, we abandon our principles. And, you know, some days you're right, some days I'm right. And as my mother would say, at the end of the day, it all comes out in the wash. No, you have to forthrightly go down two parallel roads, one of which is the word of God is uncompromising. I, as a Christian, believe the only way to, to um, God the Father is through his son, Jesus Christ. I cannot compromise on that. 
And to a far lesser extent, and I keep saying that because I don't want anybody to misunderstand that talking about the culture and the issues of the day is, is nowhere near as important as witnessing and leading people to Jesus. But at a far lesser extent, if you believe in the issues you believe in, um, you 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 want those issues forwarded. You want you you think the culture will be better if more people are working, if uh, families are less burdened by taxes, if less babies, particularly in uh, Philadelphia, um, are are being murdered in the womb. Okay, if if these are your objectives to stand in front of somebody that may not be all that pro-choice, but may not have thought about this to the point where they don't even have a dog in the fight. And it's just so intense and so untoward that they just don't want to get involved to get in that person's face with a picture of a dead baby and hitting them over the head with it. You're, you're serving no purpose whatsoever. You're not forwarding a pro-life agenda. You're not representing Jesus Christ in the best way at that point of time. And so, you know, I I hate to reduce witnessing or uh, talking about the issues of the day to sales because people have a very negative connotation of the word sales. But sales is basically, it it is not that bad. We, We get that negative connotation because we've all encountered slippery disingenuous salespeople that have tried to pull the wool over our eyes and have effectively pulled the wool over our eyes and sold us something that we didn't need or it wasn't what it was purported to be. So we we have this negative view of sales, but, but basically, ladies and gentlemen, we're all in sales. We are selling ourselves um, to, to get the best job and uh, vocationally, we are selling ourselves to put out the best person you can be if you're single to attract another decent person so you can get married if that is your choice. We're selling all day long. So selling is not necessarily a bad thing. Selling as it pertains to discussing the issues of the day to people or witnessing is the transfer of enthusiasm from one person to another. People are receptive to whatever you're speaking about if they feel that you have some juice and you have some credibility and some truth. And they also are receptive, as we have said numerous times on the show today, um, if you love them, if you respect them, the, the, the biggest challenge but the biggest reward is If you are talking to somebody and let's just say you're a conservative and you check all the boxes for what a conservative should be and you're speaking to uh, a quote unquote liberal Democrat that checks none of those boxes, the, the, the most rewarding thing that can happen there, um, in the eyes of God, I believe, or in the eyes of you know, just someone that they may not even believe in God, but they just want this culture to be a better culture. They want this, their community to be a better place. The The coolest thing that can happen in that instance is when you have a 10 minute conversation with that person and you both know where you're coming from, but you both leave the conversation with 
the notion that I could talk to this person again. I like this person. That person may be a dot, 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 but they didn't urinate on my beliefs, my, my belief system, the things that I believe are right. And they may believe something different is right, but I didn't feel disrespected. I didn't feel you know, unloved. And, and I have chronicled this on the show many times. There are pastors that, um, they have congregants that come to their church every week. They don't know Jesus Christ. They're still doing things, um, that are in the category of sin. They could be going to many other churches that, they could be quite comfortable in their sin or they didn't have to hear a forthright message. But for some reason, and I know what that reason is, it's what I'm discussing right now, they continue to go back to that church and back to that church and back to that church. And there are people been in my life that they know where I stand on certain things, but they haven't cut the friendship. We still interact. We still talk. We still do things together. Why? I can tell you why, because they feel loved. They may differ in their opinions of what the world should be uh, as opposed to you, but the reason they keep coming back, they are drawn back by the Holy Spirit, but one of the reasons as far as you being an agent or an ambassador of whatever ism you happen to believe in, the reason people who may disagree with you, keep coming back and keep having conversations with you or keep going back to a certain church is because they feel loved. They may disagree with you, but they feel that you love them and you are concerned about them. They don't feel that you are demeaning them because they have it wrong and you have it right. People do not like sanctimonious, overconfident, arrogant jerks. They do not. And I have chronicled on this show several times about movements and marches on Washington by really decent people with really decent agendas that have been absolutely a wet blanket has been thrown on them. And it has been thrown on them because a few individuals in that movement, if you will, did something stupid, said something stupid. And we're not representative of the God that they're purporting to serve. But the media is very willing to take a picture of that person, stick a microphone in that person's um, face. And all of a sudden, because of the media uh, world we live in and the, the, the 24-7 news cycle, that movement, that party, that religion, if you will, is tarred and feathered and uh, people look at it and they say, if, if that's Christianity, I don't want to be a Christian. That guy's making that non-Christian feel like crap. If that's being a Republican, why would I want to be a Republican? Republicans hate, you know, as you've heard many on the radio say, they're, they're for dirty water, throwing grandma over the cliff and uh, hating black people, whatever, all not true, but all it takes is a couple of bad seeds 
And then Republicans are painted in a certain brush. And you and I um, that have uh, been on this journey of reshaping America for years know that I am no fan of Republicans. Used to be one. I am not. Um, But whenever you are trying to forward in this journey that we call life, if it is uh, uh, Jesus Christ, if it is truth, justice in the American way, if it's good versus evil, whatever it is, be very careful how you present it. And it is it is just not an excuse anymore to say, well, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not, I don't have a mastery of the issues of the day. So I'm not even going to wade into that because somebody's going to eat my lunch talking about HR one or, uh, the, uh, Mara or Andrew Cuomo fudging the numbers about his nursing home deaths. And I, I have, I have no proclivity for that. I, I cannot master that. I am not going to wade into that. I don't want to offend anybody at work. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm not even going to put up a little calendar that just got some simple scriptures on it. I'm not going to do it. Well, I, I think that would be a mistake. We all have a role in this thing. We all are part of the journey. And who you are and what you're all about is not entirely because of one person. It's probably a compilation of teachers, of coaches, of neighbors, of uh, youth pastors, if you will. It all kind of came together and you had a family and a lot of this stuff just kind of clicked. And it clicked because You now understand taxes and understand raising children and all of these things. But it also clicked because many of the people that were educating you along the way did it in a loving, respectful manner. And the stuff I'm talking about today, ladies and gentlemen, is in short order. So back to the faith-based voter, the evangelical, the born-again Christian, you have something inside you called the Holy Spirit that tells you say it this way. Don't say it this way. Walk past that guy. You'll never get there with him. Talk to this lady, but don't come on too strong. Hit her with this. There's your common ground. Don't go there. Maybe you can go there in the next three or four or five meetings down the road. Don't go there now. The Holy Spirit will tell you how to do this. But if we're, if we don't have the Holy Spirit and we're going off half cocked, then we wave stupid flags. We wear stupid hats. We hit people over the head with gold plated Bibles and we are repelling rather than attracting. So uh, we didn't get to many of the news stories of the day, but I, it was long overdue to kind of talk about some of the things I was talking about today. So I'm glad I did it. This has been Reshaping America. Until next week, this is Kurt Flewelling. Have a great day.